It has been such a long time, Dog Nation, but we are officially back. With me is Keegan Chanel. This is Tito Chibuye. And this is Dogs Off the Leash. Everything is chaos. <laughs> 2020, I mean, dude, 2020 is going to yeah. go down. Like, this one's just been a dumpster. I think Once dumpster. The book. Once <laughs> the book. Seriously, like, in an election year, pandemic, uh, social injustice, cancel culture, like, we've got everything going on, and we'll get to all that later. It's only appropriate to mention those things. But, um, you know, we also have a football season on the way hopefully Thank hopefully heavens hopefully yes hopefully is the right word because a lot is in the air but as of now it looks like we can go ahead and look forward to the 2020 season which Something at the beginning of the year i mean at the beginning of this year i don't think either one of us thought that we'd be talking about it essentially not happening but that's where we're at so. that is where we're at and you know i've kind of been thinking about you know kind of you know, going into the season and what all this craziness means for us as a team. And really kind of what I boiled down to is, you know, with all this chaos going on, can we trust Kirby to keep all of this together? We're not so much in a transition year, but, you know, for us, we are dealing with some changes on, uh, you know, one side of the ball and having some continuity in some other areas. So, you know, Kirby's done a good job so far, but it's going to be a big, a big task to like handle all these outside, you know, all the noise, all everything going on around the football program right now. Yeah. And I think Kirby, I think Kirby's going to be up to the job because he, he's got, he's got a lot of experience, but he's also smart enough to have hired an amazing staff, you know, to, uh, to combat this with him, you know, and I think that that's where, you know, we talk a lot about leadership, you know, and how important it is. And I think that's one of the most important things as a leader is to hire other leaders. And I think that's one really, you know, thing at this point, our program's really got going for it. I mean, we just picked up uh, the guy from Bama, Scott Cochran. Is that correct? Yeah, Scott Cochran. Yeah. Yeah. And what, I mean, what a huge hire. I mean, that's like one of Alabama's historically best locker room guys, period, bar none. I mean, like, and every team on the in the around the country wants a guy like Scott Cochran in the locker room, and I think that's where Kirby. You know, he's I think he's he's more intelligent than even we probably give him credit for because you know I guess being a country boy and just you know like he hasn't earned that title yet. You know, he doesn't have that ship yet, but he he's got a lot of the pieces and I don't think that we're just going to be talking about, like, I honestly think like one day we won't just be talking about if Kirby can get a championship PGA. I think Kirby might have, you know, multiple, honestly, I think he's that kind of caliber coach. I think he's, 
hires the right staff. And I think he really knows he came from a really strong winning culture with Nick Saban and has been around the game and is really, you know, really a player's coach. The players love him. I think all those things together, he kind of covers up his blind spot. So I think we really can trust Kirby because even Kirby knows he can't do it all on his own. And he's put the people in place to really like solidify progress for Georgia. And I think that's why we've seen such a quick, Net, you know, level up as far as like this transition from you know Mark Rick to Kirby. I really feel like we're we're at that level where we're talking about championships every year, being in contention. It's serious, uh, and I think that's all because of Kirby's intellect and his awareness and the details. I want to also point out that with all this stuff going on, I think Kirby, as well as uh, you know UGA as a school and an entire administration, they've done a good job of not just keeping quiet. They've, they've put messages out there that show that, you know, we, we are a community, you know, the, you know, that falls right in with the commit to the G and again, not only not being quiet, not being quiet, but not, you know, sticking your foot in your mouth, like Oklahoma state's dealing with all this stuff that their head coach did. And that was just over a t-shirt. It's not like he came out and said anything crazy, but like they're having to deal with all that. Uh, Kirby has kind of kept everyone in the fold. And what you have to understand about these coaches is that they are going to have to go out, you know, with recruiting. And, you know, predominantly you are having, you know, you got black players coming to your school. Like, you've got to be able to look these parents in the face and say, hey, I did this. We do this. We don't just do it for media attention. And then on top of that, uh, you know, Kirby, like you said, has hired these coaches uh, to replace, you know, people that we've lost. And hopefully there's not a lot of drop-offs. And, if you've been paying attention to the articles that are out on UJ right now, you know, getting into, you know, the football side of things now, um, UJ pretty much is considered coming into this next season on average about number four in the country. You've got your Ohio State, you've got your Clemson, uh, you've got your Alabama, and then, you know, they throw UJ in there with, like, uh, Oregon and some other programs, you know, top five-ish, right? But, and I want to hop into defense special teams, and offense, and what we can look forward to uh, in this season. And I want to start with defense because that has the most continuity. We've got nine of 11 starters returning. We have no coaching changes on the defensive end. And then, you know, of those nine eleven starters, we have so many people who may have not started that contributed last year. Right. And then another number one recruiting class incoming, Kirby, just keeping the cupboard stocked what are your impressions uh, of the defense what are you what are you looking forward to from this unit coming in this year I honestly you know you, you I'm getting chills like you talking about it I've never and this is you know it's a bold statement but it, that's a big statement yeah like, dude, big I've, statement. I've never been more excited for a football season and granted every year is the year but no like literally we've never been this deep especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, defense wins championships, they say it. And I think it's really true. I think defense saves your ass in games where it's, you know, your offense isn't clicking. I think that's why defense wins championships. And I think we're so deep, man. Like you said, like, we were dominant last year, dude. Like, we we really – we were head and shoulders above everyone on defense. Everyone. All those elite teams you mentioned, them too. (laughs) So the fact that we're coming back 
so strong, so like star studded, and we got some potential like superstars coming in. Not to mention, you know, guys like Nolan Smith, who, yeah, you know, yeah they really showed some flashes, but they're guys like that have humongous upside, and that was without, you know, we. <laughs> That's going into this next level. Last year we dominated, and we got guys like that who were in the program last year going to probably take another step. And then we got guys, you know, who's the Nolan Smith of this year? Who, you know, what maybe Tyson uh, Campbell just is just a ridiculous shutdown. You know, it's like I, you look at like what a player can do one year to the next. Like the best example probably in the history of football has got to be Joe Burrow. I can't yeah. think. He's- he was Joe. He was Joe Tarasinski the year before he was uh, Joe Heisman. You know what I'm. You know, like he yeah. really was, he was he was like run of the mill, pretty decent, and then he like took it to a whole other level. So like changes like that can happen, and like and they and they do. So if you think about how dominant we were last year, the players we got coming in, and the fact that potentially we got some guys that were on our team last year that are like you said that were contributing that might really like step up and be complete stars dude like i bet like like even if the offense and special teams don't click like we are going to be in this thing because of our defense like i've like literally no doubt about it and i've never been more excited about a season because of that because the defense is really it's held us back you know and when it's been stronger offense has been you know, it's not been strong enough to carry a subpar offense and i just i'm so excited man like how like what what are your thoughts on it i mean i kind of <laughs> cold, cold chills is probably the best way to describe it and not only cold chills for the fans opposing offensive coordinators are going to have nightmares boost bumps cold chills call it what you want because this unit last year was was elite by almost every metric in the book but some of the ones that stick out the number one scoring defense, and then the number one run defense. So the LSU scored 35 points on us in the SEC championship. That was by far the most that we gave up. I think the average for us was maybe like 12.5 or 6 or something in that, in that area. Right. So that's, that's scary. And this is, this is, you know, with a pretty good pass defense, and, you know, they preached havoc rate, havoc rate, havoc rate last year. We weren't very good in, as far as sacks and turnovers overall. So if we can get just a little bit better in any of those areas, dude, it's, right. it's, it's, it's a scary thought. And then you have stars or leaders, more importantly, like you like to mention all the time, and every level of the defense. You've yeah. got Monty Rice holding down the linebacker room. Um, you know, just shy of 100 tackles last year. He is the guy, no doubt, with plenty of talent around him to lead. You've got Jordan Davis, in my opinion, one of the best defensive linemen, specifically nose tackles in the SEC and probably, you know, by default in the nation. And then yeah. it's Richard LeCount's turn in the back end. We did lose J.R. Uh, Reed, which will hurt communication-wise. But, you know, you've got people like um, – uh, Lewis uh, Cine and um, who else is it? Stevenson that can come in and fill the other safety spot and they're super talented guys. And then when it comes to, you know, the other outside linebackers and the defensive back, defensive back room, I mean, take your pick, dude. It's filled with stars, contributors, and then incoming talent. So 
you know, even without all that, again, with the defense, a lot of con- continuity, but I trust Kirby. Kirby's the defensive-minded coach. And, dude, if we get any better on defense, like, it's just going to be a problem. It's just right. going to be a problem. Man, I and I think that we will. You know, I don't think – I think that we will be at least as good as last year. And last year we had a historic season. Like, there hasn't – would would we give up one or none – Rushing touchdown. We didn't give up our first touch, rushing touchdown. I think it was week 10 against Auburn. And no, I think we gave up maybe two or three all year. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. That's like, nuts. That's ridiculous at any level of football. You play peewee football. I mean, granted, it's mostly rushing touchdowns. But <laughs> right. all, all the way at any level, you talk about three rushing touchdowns in a season. That's, that's not just – like for context, you know, that's not just historic for – like, it's like in baseball if you scored 30 runs. Like, it's not just, like, impressive in the T-ball league. That's, like, impressive, period. It's like, it's unheard of. Yeah, it doesn't unheard of. happen. Yeah, it, it's unheard of. So, it's like, we had some unheard of statistics. And then, like, I'm – because, you know, every year we get in the high – there's still guys that are on our squad that, like, did pretty well, decent last year, you know, definitely contributed, were part of that success, that, like, could break out and like people I'm looking to is like Nolan's. I'm like you know I always I played defensive end. I love the defensive end again. So like Jermaine Johnson, like this guy, where's he at? You know what I mean? But he he really could blow up. Like he's he's an athlete. He's like got a sick pass you know pres you know pass rush presence. Like Nolan Smith. Like these two guys are people like I'm looking at to really create that havoc rate and take that next step because you know like they're in the weight room. They're learning. Like they really have been working hard and I feel like and uh you know I mentioned Tyson Campbell I feel like all three of those guys are like NFL stars in the in the making if they can just like depending on how they develop but like we really have probably a handful of guys you know you mentioned a couple yourself that really are just like in the wings right you know it's like the future is theirs for the taking so I really feel like yeah we'll we'll do just as well um you know like Let's say on paper it looks like we'll do close to just as well, potentially better, and then every reason to be optimistic to think that, like, we will take it to another level, which is, like, insane to even say, considering how historic things really were. (laughs) But, like, we really might just be talking, like, next, you know, this following offseason about uh, how this last season was the most historic this could be the best defense of all time based on, like, the progress we could make from last year, <laughs> you know? Like, Chicago Bears-level quality defense. So, I don't know, man. I, Dude, I take, be... take your pick on the defense. Again, you got a great coordinator. And, honestly, we named about half of the outside linebackers that are going to contribute, like Aziz Ojulari's out there as well. Um, you've got some great defensive ends, uh, a lot of veterans coming back. And then, again, like you said, the DB room is – absolutely filled so I, I really have no no question marks on the defense I, I think that one's that one's zipped up and that one's tight but uh we do we will have some issues on uh special teams you did mention Scott Cochran coming in from Bama now he has never been a special teams coordinator before but right. I actually found out he does have some background experience dating back to his time uh when he was with LSU and I think the acronym that applies here is, you know, the uh, the KISS, right? Personally, you know, just keep it simple. Like, don't do too much. 
do what you're known for. Bring right. that energy. He, he's known for being that energy guy. If you look at, you know, Alabama sideline films, he's always out there just going nuts. He's one of those guys, yeah. right? He'll probably help out in the weight room, if not like double the energy in there. And, you know, um, the question is, will we take a step forward, regress, or stay pat on special teams? And in my opinion, I'll take two of the three. Let's get better or let's stay where we were last year. I just don't want to see us taking step backs. But, you know, it's hard to think that we won't when you lose a Lou Groza Award kicker in, in Hot Rod. I mean, Rodrigo Blankenship was uh, – in Georgia, you know, we have a bunch of great all-time kickers, right? You know, you got Bennett. You've got uh, Walsh. Uh, you, I mean, you've got, you got plenty of great kickers. Right. I think there's one more super relevant one that I'm forgetting. Forgive me. Special Butler. Yeah, 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 Butler. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you know, outside of, like, the kicking position, it's, it's, it's really going to be up to Scott Cochran just to keep everything together. And after Scott Cochran got hired, before Sam Pittman left, they did an interview on, uh, on Sam Pittman about, you know, what do you think about these coaches that, that are coming in? And, quote, to quote Sam Pittman, he said, I trust Kirby Smart. He knows that Kirby does his due diligence when he's picking coaches. And, you know, although he's not been a coordinator before, he wouldn't just pick up Cochran just because, you know, you have good energy and you went to Alabama. He trusts, right. he trusts the guy is going to be able to get it done. And some of the players that Scott Cochran will have available to him is uh, Jared Zirkel, uh, the freshman kicker. We joked about him. We joked about the whole roster being like six foot, like 190, 200 at least, like, Big, huge kicker. Number, I think he was the number one kicker. And then we've got Jake Kamarda coming back. I'd be surprised if Jake Kamarda didn't lead the, lead the SEC and and average punt yards. He was already like on the way up. So, and then you got all this depth of quality players who aren't going to be on the one starter, one two depth chart that are going to be on special teams that are going to honestly just embarrass people. So, again, yep. there's some question marks on special teams, but it shouldn't be that hard for Cochran if you just keep it simple. I agree. I think our special teams, I think it's going to be just, and, and it's just going to be hard to know, you know, until we really see how some of these guys can go out and perform because especially like in the kicking game, it's so like specific to just a couple of guys and usually the people kicking and snapping the football. But yeah. with that said, outside of that, I think, I don't think, with every reason that any of our anyone in our fan base could be worried about the kicking game, especially like field goals, uh, I, I really think that like our offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders, and it's going to be a lot less stale than it was in the red zone. Uh, and then you know some of those like you know right outside of the red zone kind of situations like we were last year where yeah, we had a Lou Groza. Was that the? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a Lou Groza award-winning kicker. But granted, you know, we gave him plenty of offered. We we gave him, you know, so many times that you have to kick. You know, probably sure. a sure. little bit more than your average kicker. And when it, especially when you're talking about those elite teams, you know, Clemson, Ohio State. What's the difference between those teams and Georgia, Alabama, even? You know, like their offenses are were superior. It wasn't their defense. It was not, you know. So 
I think if we can, if the offense is clicking like I think it will, um, which I know we're about to get into all that, I think that our our special teams will not have to rely so much on the on the field goal game. And I really think, for me, I mean, I feel pretty strongly about the talent we have in, in the special teams department coming in. And I feel, like you said, you know, Kirby's going to make a good call. And I feel like Scott Cochran, I know he's already been leading a lot of these, you know, social distance uh, workouts through Instagram and such. So he's already kind of getting a pulse on the team. He's already becoming that locker room guy. So I really feel good about special teams all around. The one area I don't, I really feel like our offense is going to save us from having to be so kick heavy, you know? So that's kind of my take on it. And I think that even if we don't have the consistency we'd like, and I really hope that we do in the kicking game, I feel like it's not going to be as big of an issue this year because I think our offense is going to open up a lot. And and I should have started with a caveat. I'd probably be a little bit more comfortable with both special teams and offense, which we'll hop into if we would have had a spring practice. Right. You know, just an opportunity to see it for the team to actually execute because, you know, although it's, you know, an underrated part of the game, special teams can easily win and lose you games. We've seen it a thousand times. We know it can happen. Um, Definitely. Yeah, if spring practice were there, I feel a lot more comfortable. And moving to the offense um, with our new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if he would have had time to install his offense. You know, there's always some new verbiage that comes in. Some things stay the same from the playbook. But, um, you know, I, I'm thinking Kirby's going to let him run the show. The dude's been a, a great offensive coordinator at previous stops. Uh, with Cleveland Browns, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and uh, I want to say uh, maybe he was at Oklahoma State. Yeah, so he wasn't the head coach because what's his name was there. But yeah. he he has enough experience to be a head coach, at least at the college level. So, um, you know, I would have liked the spring practice, but I think he's really going to open up our offense. Now, a lot of people are like, is it going to be an air raid? Are we not going to run the ball? It's not even that serious. Uh, somebody like Todd Munkin, and the uh, offensive analyst that he brought in from Southern Miss, Buster Faulkner, these guys are just going to help us to be able to win a game if we have to throw. I mean, how many times last year did we, you know, we ran the ball a lot, but it was almost out of necessity, you know, especially yeah. during the season when Lawrence Cager went down, when, uh, you know, Blaylock uh, went down to the SEC championship. Now, in um, – Against Baylor, we saw uh, George Pickens go absolutely ham, but they made a concerted effort to target him and get him out there. We have too much talent to where we shouldn't be throwing the ball. And this goes to philosophy. Are you run first? Are you throw the ball to run? Todd Munkin is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to score, and I'm going to have everybody out here be a part of it, whether it's running backs out of the backfield, running it off tackle, throwing it vertical throwing it horizontal between between the safeties, outside the safeties. That's what Todd Munkin and them bring to the table. And I'm really excited to see this offense take shape because I think if we can have an uptick, I mean, let's, let's be realistic. If we can be in the top 30 teams, top 30, top 25 of offensive, let's just say touchdowns, yeah. forget the yards, let's just say scoring. With a defense like we have, who's going to beat us? Like, you know how hard that is going to be to do? I, I agree, man. I think if – so if this were like 
a player runs seven on seven camp, <laughs> and we're just going into a tournament. No coaches, right? Uh, right. We're all just in the backyard drawing up the plays. I would feel so strongly about Georgia being in a top, not you know, not even you know, top. I get what you're saying because we kind of were stale on offense last year, so top thirty would be great for this year, and I think. I think that's a great goal, but just in the scenario, I think we'd be like a top 10 backyard football team coming out, tossing them. Because we have the athletes. We have the talent. We have, uh, you know, those explosive playmakers to really put us in that conversation of top 10. So, like, we're, I mean, we're recruiting at elite level on offense, <laughs> you know. So, the fact that we weren't top 30 is pathetic. And I think that, like, this, like I don't think we could do any worse than last year considering the talent we did have. And I think that that's why Kirby, you know, wisened up and made the change. And I think that, if, you know, especially the quarterback position, you know, all the great things Jake Fromm did for our program will not go forgotten. But I think that – and, he's, you know, and I think he will find success in the NFL. But I think that, like, Every single player we have at quarterback, potentially, like you go from Carson Beck to Dwan Mathis to Jamie Newman to that kid they brought in from uh, California to Stetson Bennett. I mean, uh, JT Daniels, potentially, if he gets uh, available this season. Any of those guys are more mobile than Jake Fromm. It's, I mean, it's you know, apples and oranges, but – they're they're a little bit they have more dimensions as players as far as you know. Jake Fromm did great things. It's nothing to take away from his leadership and his intellect. And you know he definitely made plays. He's definitely an athletic guy. But it's just like we're bringing in a different dimension of the offense. And I feel like that was when when the defenses were able to pin Jake Fromm back, hold all the you know hold all the wide receivers in close. You know knowing. No one's really able to break away deep. Jake Fromm can't make those deep throws. He's not really that, uh, you know, he's not really able to scramble, scramble. It really made our offense one-dimensional. And I think that you kind of, like, addressed that earlier. And I think that this season, like, it's not going to be like that. Like, we're going to – we have a lot more dimensions to our offense. And I think, like, a, a mind like Todd Monken is going to really, like, get us to that next level and be able to – you know, open up the offense, and I, I feel what you're saying about the spring practices, but, I, you know, everyone's kind of in the same boat, and there's a lot of other major teams that have offensive coordinator switches. So I, I think that we are, as far as that's concerned, we are at an advantage as far as that's concerned because, to, to me, I feel like Jamie Newman probably will end up being our starting quarterback, and it's, you know, it's so invaluable to have a fifth-year senior coming in who's really talented to take lead because I feel like he's been there. He's going to know what to do. He's a very intellectual guy. Uh, so I feel with all the things that potentially we could feel anxious about, I feel great about it. You know, I feel like uh, we're in a good position and I feel like the sky's the limit. And I don't think that um, – I just don't think we could possibly be as stale as we were last year. And like I said, you know, I think if this were like backyard football – We'd be a top five, top ten, at least top fifteen team if it were just the players running around. I think with Todd Munkin, Lord knows, I think we can make it to the top thirty, if not really much higher. So, 
Yeah, that's I, good. I like Jamie Newman as well for all the reasons that you said. And yes. you know, while while again the spring the spring ball may not be a huge thing, um, may not be. But at the same time, you know, I'm I'm not thinking about other programs. I, I'm thinking about Alabama. I'm thinking about Ohio State. I'm thinking about Clemson. These guys, you got they're going to be just as good. They didn't lose offensive coordinators. And as a player, Jamie Newman, I, I've already watched his tape. Um, I've already done my homework on him. He, he's a great player, and he is going to have plenty of offensive weapons to use. Um, you know, for those who keep up with uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus, he, he was rated the number three quarterback returning this year. And that is behind, guess who, Justin Fields and uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, especially with the deep ball. He, his numbers on the deep ball are, are going to allow us, um, you know, if there's a smooth transition, to attack vertical. And like you said, it, he's not Jake Fromm. And, again, when you say dual threat quarterback, you don't have to be Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson. You don't have to be a black quarterback or a mixed quarterback or white quarterback. It's when the pocket breaks down, the play breaks down, can you make a play with your feet? Joe again, Joe Burrow. Did he the the stuff he was on this in this national title run? If if he's not killing you with a fifty yard bomb or finding an open receiver for the first down, he doesn't take sacks. Dude. He doesn't take sacks. Like yeah. even even when you break the pocket and you you've got him there, he's gonna scramble enough to get the first down to where it's it's just like there are so many extra dimensions. And it turns into backyard football, just like you're saying. So I think Jamie Newman can do that. And a lot of people argue, well, his numbers weren't that great, you know, at Wake Forest. Yes, but he didn't have a great supporting cast. And over there, they probably ran the ball just as much, if not more, than we did. And it was a bunch, bunch of design runs. I think Todd Munkin's going to ask him to stay in the pocket, look to make plays within the offense. And then if you have to, you have to use them if you need to. Now, the right. only uh, criticism I have of Jamie Newman off, off rip, off video, is he's got to learn you can't just snap the ball, look at your first progression, and then throw it to that guy. You've got to be able to, you know, dissect your progressions. Okay, this guy's not open, got to go to my second read. That guy's not open, got to go to my third. Oh, that guy's no, I can go back to my first. That's the only thing. He picks a target, he throws it. But a lot of quarterbacks do that, you know, especially in the earlier um, – you know, levels of football before they get to the NFL. So uh, Todd Munkin's really going to have to work with him on that. But, again, he's got a great deep ball. Um, graduate transfer, so he's more mature right now. I know he's just learning the system in the playbook. He's not, you know, he's probably not the type of going out in Athens all the time. You're like, oh, like, I got to live this life. Like, he's kind of done it all at this point, at, at this age. You know, you start to settle down. And then last resort, we still have a run game. So he's got plenty of things to lean on. I just want to see first downs and touchdowns is what is what I want to see. We didn't get enough of that. Too many field goals from the special teams. Uh, and then we can go ahead and shift over and talk about the people who are going to have to protect him this year, which we do have some turnover at the offensive line coach, Matt Luke. And then we did lose two tackles to the NFL and then uh, a left guard as well. So going to have to replace some people. What do you think the offensive line is going to look like by the time things are, are said and done? Can we, you know, make a step forward or is it bound to move back? Well, I think the good news is is that it's, it's going to be very competitive and we have a lot of like uber talented guys in the wings. And that's something to be, you know, feel good about. I feel like 
I feel like a lot of it is just going to be about continuity and communication and coaching. You know, I know it's three C's and so didn't do it on purpose, but I feel like I feel nice. like that's really I feel like that's yeah I feel like that's what it really is going to boil down to. I don't think I think we have the personnel. I don't think that's our potential pitfall at all. I feel like it's definitely going to be getting the nuances of working together um, and being able to just you know move guys off the line like get. Just get everything clicking within the system because I don't think our problem would ever be at this point talent, especially the offensive line. I think we've, you know, we recruited well. Um, and then, you know, congrats to Pittman on the coaching job. Um, yeah. I think that's awesome. Uh, but also, I think Matt Luke did a fantastic job of coming in and all but maybe just a couple of recruits and then even then he picked up some others to kind of make up for you know he did a really solid job of uh not only just like keeping the the class of offensive line talent coming in intact you know he, he was able to you know add a couple of pieces too so uh that one guy i think like new jersey is super tall big old dude um, trust trust yeah 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 um comes to mind but yeah you know I really feel like you know we got a good coach we got uh all you know we got the talent I think it's just going to be a matter of like can we get that continuity and that's where you know not having spring practice is really going to affect us yeah um, hopefully we can make up for that hopefully uh you know Georgia is going to be one of these programs that you know is just working smarter not harder because it's it really is a game especially with like this limited time it's going to be quality not quantity and the teams that are able to take advantage of this situation and not be so reliant on traditional means of coaching and you know coordinating the, t- the players to do what they want to you know to make it all click i feel like you know I thought the teams that are able to take advantage of the situation, those those are the teams that we're going to be talking about at the end of the year. And, you know, for some teams, um, they, they may have been so traditionally focused, uh, you know, maybe it's it's not going to be an advantage or maybe, you know, maybe a team that wasn't really clicking like Georgia that's right there, you know, maybe that, you know, this kind of situation is all it takes because they made the right move. So I feel like, uh, to get for me to really feel like confident about the offensive line, it's we're just gonna have to see what the you know until game two or three, I don't think we'll really have any kind of idea or um, any answer about that because I think we definitely have the talent. At the at the very least, Matt Luke has already had an opportunity to show some of his medal during the Baylor game last year when he came in, and then at the same time, I'd much rather have. Um, a head coach come down to a, a coordinator position or position because then you allow all that experience they have being a head coach and allow them to just focus their mind on one task. And he yeah. has plenty of talent to choose, um, like you said. I think at this point, obviously, Trey Hill is nailed down at center. And then I like uh, Ben Cleveland at the right tackle. Then you kind of get where you can kind of play around. And, again, this comes back to the talent you have to choose from. We have Schaefer, who played a lot last year, um, you know, whether he's filling in for injuries or prior when he started before he got injured. And then you've got Jamari Sawyer, who is, um, you know, a five-star prospect. You've got Xavier Trust um, from New Jersey. He's a huge kid. Honestly, I like either of those two 
I'll take the quicker feet at left tackle and then just put the other one at right tackle, flip-flop, either way. But that aside, we have Broderick Jones, who is a five-star coming in this year. We have Clay Webb, who was the number one center last year. Tate Ratledge, um, who was a, a fringe five-star offensive tackle. And then uh, the lineman from Louisiana, SBPG, Sam, it's Sam, it's Edric Van Fran Granger, I think. Let's just call him S. SCPG. So, uh, yeah. again, not really worried about the offensive line as far as personnel. It's about can you click? Do you have the leadership? Can we communicate? Is there going to be a new scheme? Is it going to be more zone blocking or more, um, you know, downhill run blocking, counter, trap? Like, what do you have to implement? A spring would have helped, but, again, everyone's on the same footing in that regard. So, um, I think you make some good points. Uh, and then kind of the way we opened up, again, we are going to have to deal with or are continuing to deal with, uh, for those who are still with us, you know, just hopping into a little bit of the COVID, um, some of the social injustice that we're seeing at this moment in 2020, uh, and then cancel culture. If any, do you think, I know Kirby's done a pretty good job up to this point, but can any of these disrupt, uh, you know, our year or even the NCAA altogether? Any just, you know, a few quick points on anything that you want to elaborate on? Well, I do think that, if health experts are, you know, any what near correct, uh, I think that in this country we're looking at potentially, you know, facing some spikes, facing some uh, surges in as far as like COVID is concerned. It, you know, now a lot of that is going to be up in the air. It's going to be really hard to kind of like diagnose and predict what's going to happen. So, I, but I do think it's like. I don't think fans, as fans, we should be sitting here like super, uber concerned because we're just not going to know. But hopefully the health officials in this country and the leadership in this country can get us to a point where we're not sitting here worried about if we're going to have a football season or not. And I know there's a lot more important things than football in this world, but, you know, it all trickles downhill. And if, if, if we don't have our act together, um, you know, it's, it's – I would to answer your question. I think it's a it's a real concern, but I don't think that I think we're gonna have a football season. And yeah, I don't, and, you know. And, uh, sorry to cut you off right there, but I, yeah. I wanted to say I think you hit it right on the head. Like I think it's this has really turned into like one of the, probably one of the most politicized disease like in in American history, if not yeah. all. Because like you know you got you got one side. It's like oh this is not a big deal don't need to wear masks, don't worry about it. And then you've got the other side, like this is the most dangerous thing that's ever happened. And it's maybe pieces of both, but the the, the, leadership, the lack of leadership has kind of pulled this out of control. Like, yes, you should take precautions, and yes, football is not the most important thing, but if you're looking at the numbers and strict mortality rate, we've had more deadly diseases and we'll probably continue to have. This may be one of those diseases that sticks around forever. Like I saw a couple of documentaries where HIV, you know, when Magic Johnson got it, it was like, oh, like it's this big thing. But like now that we have good information on how it's transmitted, how it's spread, and obviously that one doesn't have a vaccine, but whenever we do get a COVID vaccine, then, you know, it's something that we have, but we can deal with. And then, you know, the overly cautious people who kind of blow out of proportion. Looking at the, the death tolls, there's definitely been some more severe things that we've dealt with. So it's not the end of the world. But just kind of having a level-headed approach and good information, I think, 
uh, is good for the people, which will lead to a chance for us having sports back. Again, I know sports is not the most important thing, but yeah. um, at the same time, life does have to go on at the, at the end of the day. I think that's exactly it. It's going to make or break what will affect things like football. Um, I think if, if we can get to a place where we can get our numbers down and we're really like feeling okay about it as you know, we're not going to crash our healthcare system, which is really the main concern with this. If we can like, you know, be able to handle whatever, then sure. Let's say, let's say COVID really is like an issue in this country and it's manageable. Then we'll be talking about, you know, social distancing at games, uh, testing players um you know we could we could, we'll, and we probably will if, if this is still a relevant issue just do a whole little segment episode on covid to kind of get into this uh just to kind of provide insight and uh, information for our listeners and just kind of you know bridge the gap because i listen to a lot of health podcasts and i try to you know think about these things in general and, you know, honestly, there's not enough good quality reporting being done in the sports world and when it comes to COVID. A lot of it's like hysteria. And I, I just am planning on us having football season. Um, I'm hoping that we're not in a situation where uh, we're having to social distance and wear masks to games and things like that. But it might be like that. And that's that's best case Best case scenario with challenges is that we'll be, you know, kind of we'll be in the football season. We might have to adapt. Um, that's, you know, barring the worst potential possibility, which is like, you know, a month or two ago, we were thinking we might not have a football season. So um, at least I was. So, so we'll see. It's, it's going to be one of the things we're going to, you know, definitely play it by ear, something to pay attention to. Uh, I hope everyone does their part and just be responsible, use common sense. And just take care of yourself. That's the main thing you can do. Uh, you know, take your vitamins, you know, drink your water, walk, uh, don't hang out with sick people, you know, just the basics. Like, So, you know, I hope everyone's been healthy during this time. I know it's been really challenging for a lot of people. We have lost folk. Um, I know a couple of people that lost their – one uh, had a mother in a hospital, another lost their mother. I mean, it, it is real. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a real threat, but I think – that we're I feel like we're on the other side of this thing and the main thing is we're we're on the other side of understanding it I think when it all hit we had so many questions in the air it really just kind of threw everyone for a loop including myself and definitely including the media definitely including the leadership um all but a few people in the health and wellness world who really are just in tune with this stuff or you know kind of just looking for answers so uh I think that the hysteria is mainly gone. I think people are looking forward to football, and as long as we can get this COVID situation in a manageable position, we will be going right on through with this. So that's kind of my take on everything with the COVID. And I also wanted to touch just a little bit on, uh, again, some of the social injustice um, that we've been seeing, and which has kind of led to this cancel culture. Now, for those of you guys who don't, um, you know, know me very well, you know, I, I'll elaborate a little bit without, um, you know, doing too much on it. I'm, you know, we, we live in Georgia and uh, I'm, I'm black, I'm African-American, but my situation personally is my parents are both immigrants, legal immigrants from Africa, specifically Zambia. So, so again, 
as a lot of people tell you out here, my black's a little bit different. Like I'm legit African, but at the same time, you know, I'm I'm a black man when I walk out in the street. And right. you know, I don't know how many of you guys uh, or you, Keegan, yourself, have had some maybe uncomfortable comfort uh, uh, conversations with friends or coworkers or or whatever have you. Uh, but I have me and my group. Um, which is a pretty good mix, you know, uh, here in Georgia, me being, I guess, the token black guy, I have white friends, we have Hispanic friends, we have Asian friends, the whole thing. And we, we, we talk about these things. That's what we do. And with all this stuff going on, obviously we know the history in this country with, um, you know, slavery, with civil rights. That is what it is. You can't change that. That is what it is. And then when you see something like uh, George Floyd, um, I don't think, his death was warranted by any means and we've seen similar things like that and we've not seen a lot of those things now what i what i ask people to understand is this thing has gotten so black and white that justice should be for everybody that shouldn't be a question and especially in this country where we have so many minorities i mean you can talk about you know the native americans and what they had to endure when america first started you can talk about asians uh, around, you know, a lot of the wars that we've had with uh, Asian countries and how they were treated. Um, you can talk about Hispanics right now with a lot of this uh, immigration, you know, wh- wherever your stance is on illegal immigration, you know, the history is what it is. They they are a, part, a big part of the workforce, and yes, they should come over legally, but discrimination for that, you know, is a thing too. And again, the conversations that we have is everyone should be uh, you know, treated respectfully and fairly, and that's not, you know, that's not happening. I won't even get into the whole Black Lives Matters, All Lives Matters. Like, if you don't understand that concept, there's nothing I'm going to do for you here, which is fine. But have some conversations with somebody who doesn't look like you. Have a little empathy and try to imagine, you know, what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes. And to my Black listeners out there, for those of you out there who are looking for equality and fair treatment, uh, I give you all the praise. But for those of us and those out there who are who would rather see, who would rather turn back history and put themselves in the position of the quote-unquote proverbial white man and do to them what they've done to you, all you're doing is turning into the thing that you quote-unquote hate the most. So really how much how much good are you doing? And, and that's led to this cancel culture where people are baiting people and going back, looking at old tweets and old messages and looking to, you know, just cancel people. I know it was already going on, but now it's like on steroids. Like, again, you're not helping anybody by doing that. This should be a time for people to learn, progress, um, you know, not even just tolerance. It's just about equality because this movement here hopefully is going to influence some people to like, teach their children different you know a lot of people are going to be stubborn like and not do that but canceling them is not going to change you know their mind and more importantly their heart so and i know you had some opinions on this whole cancel culture thing um but i just wanted to say my piece on that because i do think it's important um to think about to acknowledge right to learn from not to suppress and not to blow up and be the social media justice warrior like now that it's popular to speak out, now people want to speak out. You should have a mindset of equality all the time, in my yeah. opinion. For sure. I mean, I think it's good that people are speaking out, and I think there is something to 
you know, where were you when, uh, you know, Trayvon Martin got shot? Where were you when, you know, these other people, you know, have gotten in situations that were, you know, just messed up, you know, just things people just shouldn't have to endure. And, you know, like having black friends and just knowing people uh, in my, who are minorities and just even myself just facing uh, discrimination and really just unprofessional dialogue from policemen. Um, and, you know, as a white man, you know, I can empathize on some level to think, you know, there's a lot of problems that we're all facing uh, in this country. And I think the best thing we can do is actually, you know, I, I was thinking about this and it's actually pretty beautiful because even though, you know, football is just a backdrop when world events are going on it's also a place where we can learn a really important lesson because there's no room for racism or judgment or division when you're on a team and you have a goal and you're trying to win like if if <laughs> i don't care who you are if i'm the quarterback and you're open i'm throwing you the ball you know you could be you know you could just slap me in the mouth and said something bad about my mom if you're open on the four-yard line, you got to score. I don't care who you are or what you did, you're getting a pass. You're getting the ball. Now, when it comes to, like, nitpicking about just cultural differences, we just don't have time for that as a society anymore. And if it if you don't know that then or think that, then I don't – I just don't know what to say. <laughs> like, you work, you work in the world. You really have time for division. So – I think now is the time to like look to football, look to the team sports. We are all on the same team in this country. The Americans, people you like, people you don't like, we're on the same team. <laughs> like that's just how it is. Like you don't get to like you don't necessarily get to choose who you get recruited your recruiting class, you know. Right. And like we were born in the recruiting class of uh, what I don't know what you'd call it, ninety two, ninety one. Like we all came into Earth as a recruiting class you know, right. to break it down. Some of us are one star. Some of us, awesome. are, you know, some of us are going to be four star busts or whatever. It, it, the thing is, is we are all on the same team. And I think that like trying to bait people, like you said, we all, you know, we, we all saw, um, I'm assuming what Jake Fromm said in those text messages. I don't approve of it. I think he was probably making a insensitive joke. Um, I, I'm sure he feels like an idiot for, you know, putting his neck out like that. And Jake yeah. Fromm's one of these people that, you know, he's known for character. He's known for his leadership. But every person can look at their own heart and measure where they might have some changing to do. You know, like everyone. Everyone has prejudice. Everyone has bias. Everyone has things that, they're going to put up against another human being to divide them. And it's, it's not for us, you know, I love Jake from, I'm a fan. I don't agree with what he said, but I, I will not condemn him. You know, I'm going to give him a chance to learn and grow as a person. Like I hope someone would do for me. Like I hope someone would do for you too, Cheeto. And I think that's just something we should take with this is to, you know, like, for one, if, if if nothing else, just show people that, you know, we do it different here at Georgia. You know, we right. do it different. We're classy. We want 
to embrace others. And, you know, we're on the same team. If, if I don't care who's, you know, like we, when we all get in the Sanford stadium, it doesn't matter what color you are. We are cheering for Georgia. You know what I mean? Uh, or, you know, so it's just like things like that. It's like, if, if that can be so true and so real and we can all be on the same team in that moment, then why can't we do that just walking around? Why can't we do that in these hateful Facebook arguments that erupt or these, uh, you know, these silly, like, moments of, uh, you know, all lives matter, black lives matter. It's like I, I definitely think, I, I guess regardless of uh, where you're coming from, if you're if you're holding on to a, a tone of pettiness and uh, division and judgment, then you're not doing it right. We're all we're all trying to bring this this world to a better place. We're all trying to improve it, and we are all on the same team. That's well it. said, Keegan. Well said. Well said. And uh, Dog, Dog Nation, uh, thank you guys for sticking with us. Uh, you know, it's been a little while, so we had a lot of things to get off our chest uh, about the upcoming season. And, and then again, just kind of the chaotic state the world's in right now. Um, but, you know, hopefully you guys picked up something, and uh, hopefully we can bring you guys some more um, more podcasts here. Obviously, things are up in the air, and nothing is uh, for certain right now. We'll, we'll kind of roll with the punches in that regard. Uh, coming up, you know, summer camp. Uh, what changes COVID may have on the season um, or, and God forbid, any of this other injustice culture type of stuff that we just talked about. Um, we'll kind of keep you guys up to date. Um, you know, any tips or any, any discussions you guys want to hear about, please let us know. But uh, until then, you know, Keegan, as always, as always, and this is Cheeto and this is dogs off the leash. Off the leash. I do it for the dogs. <laughs>